Welcome to season two of the Six String Hayride podcast. We're introducing a new feature with this episode. Welcome to the Six String Hayride mini rides. We're still worried about mama finding out we're in prison. We're still combing the neighborhood for the best guitar players. We're still really worried about explaining Saturday night on Sunday morning. But think of this as twice around the park. Grab a quick one and we will have you home at a respectable hour. For this first mini-ride, we will be bringing you a discussion of guitar legend Grady Martin, the man who made Marty Robbins' El Paso the classic that it is today. The man who played on Coal Miner's Daughter, the man who had a double-neck guitar, with a Bigsby and was playing some freaked out hillbilly stuff while Jeff Beck was still in Bridges. around the park a quick one and we'll have you home real soon there was a a group of musicians called the a-team and they were called the a-team because they were the first call players that owen bradley would use on his deca recording sessions in the 50s and then and then those guys were used by all the producers you know everybody for you know columbia and rca and um and mercury you know everybody used you know that that group core group of players if you could get them that's who you wanted so they were the a-team they were the you know the top of the list guys and it was um, Buddy Harmon on drums, Bob Moore on bass fiddle, Harold Bradley, Ray Eddington, Hank Garland, and Grady Martin on guitars, um, Pig Robbins and Floyd Kramer on piano. Uh, Pig picked up when Floyd retired from session work to be an artist. Um, and then you get into the more auxiliary kind of instruments like fiddle and steel and harmonica. You've got Charlie McCoy, who played vibes and harmonica and, and you know just about everything else. Uh, you've got Tommy Jackson for fiddle, you know, uh, Pete Drake for steel guitar early on. It was Bud Isaacs boots Randolph, if there was a saxophone, but you, you had this core group of musicians that was sort of this, they weren't really like a, like a band, but they were just the session musicians that everybody wanted. So they, they worked as a band, you know, if you were to ask anybody of that era, who the most significant musician of that group was all of them, hands down without even thinking, just say Grady Martin. Our first topic for the six-string hayride mini-ride is going to be guitar legend Grady Martin. This man was on everything from Marty Robbins' El Paso to Loretta Lynn's Coal Miner's Daughter. He's a Tennessee guy through and through, born in January of 1929. Chris is pretty much the expert on Mr. Martin, and he's going to let us know what the deal is here. Chris? 
So you mentioned that he's born in January of 29. He's actually born in Chapel Hill, Tennessee. Uh, the family that he grows up in is a very musical family. So he starts playing guitar as a child and very quickly he develops a, a local reputation as a skilled and versatile musician. This translates into what was probably the ideal career for many musicians at this point in time, which is that he becomes a highly in-demand session guy. He's one of the Nashville A-team. We talked about them quite a bit during the uh, the Trilogy of Terror episodes, the top 20 albums from Rolling Stone, Myself and Yourself. And the reason I say that's probably one of the best jobs you can have at this particular point is these guys become some of the most well-respected and well-paid musicians in the industry, but they don't have the rigors of touring. So you're not forced to spend hours and days and weeks and months away from your family. And that also allows you to play a variety of styles with a large number of people, some of whom you may have a great deal of respect for. So he plays on pretty much everything that Patsy Cline ever does for her DECA sessions. Uh, so this includes her massive hits like Crazy. Wondering what in the Crazy for thinking that my love could hold you. Walking after midnight. I go out walking after midnight out in the moonlight. Just hoping you may be somewhere on walking after midnight. And basically everything else she did for that period of time. He also plays on songs like The Battle of New Orleans by Johnny Horton. In 1814, we took a little trip along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. We took a little bacon and we took a little beans and we caught the bloody British in a town in New Orleans. Sammy Smith has a major hit with her cover of Chris Christopherson's Help Me Make It Through the Night, which again features Grady on guitar. Take the ribbon from my hair Shake it loose and let it fall Grady not only plays guitar on pretty much the signature song that most people think of when they think of my musical hero, Willie Nelson, on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. I can't wait to get on the road again. But he also stars in the movie that that song is 
featured on the soundtrack of Honeysuckle Rose. And as Jim mentioned, he does play on things like Loretta Lynn's album with Coal Miner's Daughter. Uh, in addition, Grady Martin is actually a very well-respected and talented songwriter, although he doesn't have a very prolific output. But he co-wrote songs like Detroit City with Bobby Bear. Ironically, that's a song that I first heard through the surfer band duo of Jan and Dean. We've touched on this before, how country music circles around and seems to touch just about every genre of music. And this is certainly no exception. That was my introduction to that song. And it's a pretty straightforward country version of a song by, again, a, a surfer band. Later in his career, he also does some production work. Now, earlier on, he had been essentially an uncredited producer. So for example, you'll read that he produced Marty Robbins. Well, that's very true from the standpoint of work he did in the studio leading the sessions, but I don't believe he was actually credited as a producer on any of that work. So we're talking uncredited production work, but later in his career, he actually finally gets some production credits that he very well deserves this includes the honky-tonk record that Willie puts out called Just One Love. Grady continues to play and record throughout his career, and he remains this incredibly well-respected and beloved figure until his death in 2001. But Grady Martin dies in 2001. In 2007, he's inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Now, this is a man who's been well-respected for well over 60 years at that point. The fact that nobody put him in the Hall of Fame when he was alive is just... This is why when I hear people say they don't care about Halls of Fame, I understand exactly where they're coming from. So hopefully the country music industry will get these things right in the future. Don't wait until after people who live for quite a long time die before you put them in your hall of fame. You know, Chris, that's an excellent point about, uh, the, there's a lot of stories about a hall of fame in, in any kind of art, not always getting to the right or most deserving people during their lifetimes. Uh, the more common ones that come up with the Oscars, the, the movie Academy awards would be Paul Newman and Peter O'Toole. Uh, Peter O'Toole wound up getting a lifetime achievement because the Academy realized, Ooh, he's not working a lot now and pushing, you know, late eighties and Paul Newman won for one of his more average performances, uh, the color of money. It's came along later in his career and he did get the best actor Oscar for it. Uh, the more deserving one that he should have got was for the original part of the story, The Hustler. Uh, but they, you know, they did a sequel, like said, The Color of Money. A lot of it was shot here in Chicago in pool halls. Uh, it made money. Young Tom Cruise is in it. That was another one where the Academy was like, well, we better hurry up and give him one. And we kind of blew it a few times in the past. And, you know, he didn't get it for The Hustler. He didn't get it for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. 
Yeah. You know, they had to make up for that. And Chris, I, I get what you're saying on the Hall of Fame issue. Uh, in a little bit better light for Grady Martin, he did get into the Rockabilly Hall of Fame and the Musicians Hall of Fame. You're right. You know, young kid growing up in Tennessee, musical family all around. He gets a big break when he's still pretty young. In 1946, he gets a job playing with Curly Fox, and he gets to come up to Chicago and participate in a lot of the country music dance, arm dance radio programs that are coming out of WLS. He works with Curly Fox for a while, and then he develops a friendship with another one of the 18 guys, a musician named Hank Garland. And in 1951, Grady and Hank start their own band, and they get signed up with Decca Records. Uh, he does play on the Johnny Horton, great novelty record, Battle of New Orleans. We've all probably heard some take on that melody in summer camp or on a long family car ride or something. He really hits his stride in that late 50s, early 60s period with Patsy Cline. Uh, and it's not just the big hit singles that Chris had mentioned. You know, crazy, walking after midnight, sweet dreams. He does all the kind of cowboy and western stuff, uh, wayward wind. He does continue to work a ton through the 60s and 70s. And then in 1980, yeah, he's a big part of the Honeysuckle Rose Project with Willie Nelson. He winds up playing with John Prine, the Everly Brothers, Leon Russell, and Joan Baez. He's all over the Coal Miner's Daughter record with Loretta Lynn. And in, back in terms of awards and recognition that the man got from his peers, because he really was much more well-known amongst his, his peer group of musicians than he was to the general public. But uh, for a long stretch of time in Tennessee, there was a Chet Atkins Music Festival, and there was an award given out at each one of these festivals that got nicknamed the Chetty. Uh, you know, it's the Chet Atkins Guitar Award. And Grady Martin was one of the few recipients of that. Definitely one of the top guitar players that we think you should listen to. Uh, we love him. Again, the great Grady Martin. 
He's been our guest today on the Six String Hayride Mini Ride. Any record he's on is going to be a damn fine record. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for listening. We will see you real soon. These mini rides are going to feature recipes from John Wayne's official cocktail book. It's actually called John Wayne, the official cocktail book. You can find it on Amazon. I highly recommend that you get it. Um, There's all kinds of fun little stories, all kinds of interesting anecdotes. And supposedly these were all drinks that the Duke himself very much enjoyed. So in honor of Grady Martin, let's talk about the Pilgrim. So first of all, where does Pilgrim come from? Well, if you've seen the movie, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, you'll recall that John Wayne's character frequently refers to Jimmy Stewart's character as a pilgrim, which was designed to be an insult indicating that Jimmy Stewart was a greenhorn who was way out of his element. However, this drink is great for all newcomers. So what will you need for the ingredients? One and a half ounces of rye whiskey, a half ounce of fresh lemon juice, a half ounce of simple syrup, one dash of Angostura bitters, two ounces of sparkling wine. Shake the whiskey, lemon juice, syrup, and Angostura bitters with ice, strain into a cocktail glass, and top with sparkling wine. Please feel free to garnish with the rind from the lemon. Fill your hand, you son of a bitch! We'd like to raise a pilgrim in honor of our friend Karen, who was the inspiration for these mini rides. Karen, this one's for you. Thanks, Karen. Okay, listeners, thanks for joining us on this little trot around the park on this six-string hayride mini ride. As always, we'd like to remind you to email us at sixstringhayride at yahoo.com. Six is spelled out. You can also search us uh, on Facebook as Six String Hayride. Or what we'd really appreciate you doing is finding us on Patreon under Six String Hayride as well. So Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Six String Hayride. Again, six is spelled out. And of course, listeners, when you're emailing us, since we're giving you drink recipes on these mini rides, we'd really enjoy it if you'd give us your idea of how to create a six-string hayride drinking game. What phrase do we say too much or too often or just enough that you think should be your cue to drink and hopefully not die? Well, folks, thanks again for joining your hosts, Chris Wainscott and Jim O'Malley on the Six String Hayride Classic Country Podcast. We are here for all of your classic country, rockabilly, early rock and roll, little gospel, little blues, a lot of excellent country music-themed recipes. And basically, we are here to keep your musical circle rocking, bopping, and very much unbroken. So thank you for sticking with us. We will see you down the road real soon. And again, whether it's in your home, in your community, wherever it is you do your thing, keep your circle unbroken. Stay well, stay safe, and we'll see you real soon. Oh, can the circle be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by? There's a bitter home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. 
them in a song I'm gonna join the family circle at the throne No, the circle won't be broken By and by, Lord, by and by Remember, the force will be with you, always. Always.